Well, we're working on, on our, our new study we started last week. Pastor Dan started last week, and it's on stewardship. Uh, it's being given the responsibility to manage and care for things that belong to someone else. Uh, the scripture we're using uh, for this month is 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others. It's talking about us having gifts and that we should use them to serve others in the house of God. And it says, as faithful stewards. Again, a steward is someone that is, manages something that doesn't belong to them. And it's the gifts that God gives us that we're able to manage. So a faithful steward of God's grace in his various forms. Uh, God has given us a responsibility to look after and manage things or what he's given us. And last week, Pastor Dan, uh, we, we looked at redeeming the time. You know, being a good manager of our time. This week and this evening, I want to speak on stewards of giftings. The scripture I want to look at is uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse uh, verse 4 through 6, it says, for as in one body we have many members. It's talking about the body. The body has many parts to the body, and the members do not all have the same functions. They all have different functions. So we, through many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another. Again, we are the body of Christ. We're all individuals. We're all different parts, but we're all still part of the body of Christ. It says, having gifts that differ. We all have gifts that are different according to the grace he has given us. And it says, let us use them. Tonight we want to look at some of the gifts that God's given us, and we want to look at how, at the end, we'll look at how being a steward of the gifts that God has given us uh, to, 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 to help and, and, and grow the, the church of God. So I want to look at first as the spiritual gifts. In 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's writing here, and he's speaking about, again, the body, and, and also begins to talk about the different gifts that are here. He says, a spiritual given, a gift is given to each of us. Again, we look at how God has given us each a gift so we, can each, so we can help one another. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives the message of special knowledge, the, 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 the word of knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith. To another and to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives some the, someone else the ability to discern what is a message from the Spirit of God or another spirit, the spirit of discernment. Still another person, he gives the ability to speak in other tongues, speaking in tongues. And while another, he's given the ability to interpret tongues, uh, what's being said. It is one and only Spirit who distributes these gifts, the Spirit of God who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person person should have. So he talks about the different gifts that are given to us in the house of God. In Romans 12, uh, chapter 12, he also talks about some other gifts. He says, so what God has given you, he's talking about God giving us the ability to prophesy, speak with as much faith as God has given you. He says, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you teach, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give, uh, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. Uh, and if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So again, he begins to talk it's about other uh, gifts, gifts to help others again within the kingdom of God. And then in Ephesians, he talks about now these gifts, Ephesians 4, 11, he says, now these gifts Christ gave to the church. He says the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body, which is the body of Christ. Some call this the five-fold ministry. 
So we look at the, how, how Paul writes in Corinthians, uh, Romans, and Ephesians. He talks about the different gifts that are given to us as a body of Christ. But we need to look at the purpose and why they're given to us. In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to be jumping back and forth between 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians, those three scriptures that I used back, uh, earlier. I'm going to be going back to those, reference to those. So if you want to just write those down. It says a spiritual gift has been given to each of us so we can help one another. This is the purpose of the gifts that God gives us. That he's given us each a gift so we can help each other in the house of God. Again, he talks about the different gifts, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, great faith, healing, performing miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Again, he talks about the the gifts, and he says, so if God has given you, and again, he's talking about God giving us the ability, the gifts, again, to to, to speak with faith, uh, and and he's talking about it as more like personalizing it, that if you have the gift of prophecy, speak with as much faith as you can. Why? Because you want to share this. You want to encourage others. He says, if your gift is serving, serve them well. If you have the gift of serving, do it well because you're doing it unto the house of God. You're doing it to others. If your gift is a teacher, teach well. He wants us to be good teachers. If you've got the gift of teaching, do it well. Don't just, you know, kind of halfway do it, but teach well. Why? Because, again, you're helping the church. Again, these gifts are to help one another. Get to encourage others. Be encouraging. I don't know about you, but, but when you get around somebody that has the gift of encouragement, it's like you talk to them, and man, you feel like, man, I can keep on going. I can keep serving God. I can keep doing good things. Why? Because there's people that have that gift of encouragement that when you talk to them, man, they just stir you up. They just get you excited. And it goes on with the, the encouragement, the, uh, the uh, giving generously. If you have leadership, he says, if you're a leader, take the responsibilities seriously. Be serious about your leadership. You know, if if you're a leader in the house of God, he's talking about taking it serious again because you're helping the church. You're doing it to the church. You have the gift of showing kindness. Again, show it and do it gladly. In Ephesians, he talks about, again, we talked about the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists. And he says in verse 12, he says, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and to build up the body of Christ this is the purpose and the goal is to help one another, but also to build each other up, to equip each other, to help each other, and to teach each other so we can build the church. Can you imagine if we all knew our gift, each and every one of us? If we knew that the gift that God had given us and we began to function in that church, you could just imagine the maturity and the growth that would begin to take place in the church as if everybody would begin to function in the gift that God has given them. And also, as God equips us, we're also equipping others. We're teaching others. We're helping others to prepare them to do even more for God. And it's not only for us, but also our future generation, our children. That as we equip others and as we begin to exercise and function in our gifts, we're also equipping our children and our grandchildren, our future generations, so they're prepared to take over the church and begin to, to reach the world for the gospel, for Jesus Christ. Again, we need to fulfill the, all that God has given us as in, individuals, but also as a church, as God has gifted us. See, these gifts come from God. Again, Paul writes again, he said, a spiritual gift has been given to us. Talking about the Holy Spirit has given us a gift. Romans, he said, if God has given you the ability, if God has given you this gift. Ephesians says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. And he talks about the, and he uses the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in these three scriptures, how they give us the gifts. But we understand, we talked about it a couple months ago, Manny did a teaching on, on, on the triune God, the three are one. So in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, is the one, it's the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. The Holy Spirit gives them to us, but we know it's from God. He alone decides which gift each person should have. 
God gives us the gifts, and he, he gives us in, in different ways. He, he says, you know what, this is the gift I have for you. This is the gift I have for you. We, it, it, it's something he gives to us. It's not our decision to say, well, I want this gift, God, but it's what he gives each person when he feels that, 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 that they need at that time. It's a decision that only God can make for us. We look at the story of Peter and John in the book of Acts chapter 8. And Peter and John are laying hands on people. People are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he says now Simon, and it talks about Simon. Simon, they called him Simon the Sorcerer, Simon the Magician. He was doing great, great signs and all these, you know, through his sorcery, through his, his, his uh, uh, magic. And he even professed that he was great. He called himself great, that he was Simon the Great. People started buying into him and all the things that he was doing, and he started gaining a following that they even called him the great power of God. Well, what happens is he started to follow the disciples and he started to, to, to believe what they were saying. He says he even got baptized. He says, and then Peter and John were here. He says they laid their hands on the people and they were receiving the Spirit. And it says when Simon saw this, that they were receiving the Spirit by the laying of the hands, he offered them money saying, give me this power also so that anyone that I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit but Peter said to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could attain the gift of God with money. See, this is a gift that has to come from God. We don't say, hey, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. God, I want this great gift. But it's a gift that God gives us. And he says, you have neither part nor lot in this matter. And he tells them this, for your heart is not right before God. He's seen again because of his past, because he used to do all these signs and wonders and miracles and, and, you know, through his sorcery and magic, that people were basically following him, that they used to call him Simon the great man of, you know, great, the great God. And I think when he was seeing the disciples doing all these miracles and people getting, you know, as they were laying their hands on them and they were getting filled with the Holy Ghost, he started to see, wow, how the people were in awe of that. Like, wow, look at the people are following that. So I think he still wanted to still be called the great power of God. I think this was his motive that, man, I want that power so people can, you know, look at me and say, hey, there he is again, Simon, the great man of God, great power of God. Unfortunately, there are those whose hearts are not right before God. They're not seeking the gifts that God has for them. They, you know, pretty much watch faith healers and prophets on YouTube, and they see all the things that they're doing, and they hear the crowds going, wow, you know, ooh, wow, look at the, the miracles that they're doing. What happens is the pride starts to rise up and say, man, I want to do that. I want to do that because our ego, you know, starts rising up. I want, I want people to, to say that. And it's just a, a desire for self-satisfaction. You know, that I want that power as, 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 as Simon, he said, you know what, I want the power that you have. Sometimes we can get like that. Where we're not functioning in the gift that God has given us, but we start seeing things and say, well, I want to be like that because of our pride. And we want these things that are not of God. We want the praise, and we want to be called great in the kingdom of God. In James chapter 4, in verse, in verse 1 through 2, it talks about the disputes and the fightings that are taking place amongst you. And it says the reason why is because, you know, you're jealous of the things other people have, and you want what they have that it's not yours. And then he says you have not because you ask not. And then he follows up with this, and he says even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. A lot of times, God says, you know what? It's just not ready for you because your motives are not right. 
You know, God, I want the gift of healing. I want, you know, I want to be a man or woman that, you know, works miracles. Why? Because of our pride. And we want the, the praise and you want the accolation. We want that, that wow moment where people are going, wow, that was great, brother. Wow, that was great, sister. But again, Paul wrote, he says, you know what? Or, or, or Peter t- told him, your heart is not right with God. Because you're not functioning, you're not seeking the gift that ha- God has for you, but you're trying to, to make your own, your, your own gift. You're trying to do it on your own way. Again, we try to operate out of gifts that are not from God. Paul is doing great miracles in Acts chapter 19. It says even handkerchiefs or pieces of clothing that he touched were taken to people that were sick. He would touch them and lay them on them, and they were getting healed. This is the miraculous powers that he was doing. He says people that were demon-possessed were getting delivered and being set free. So there were some that were there that said, hey, we want to do the same thing. Again, they're not functioning in the gift that God gives them, but they're just trying to do it on their own. And they began to, you know, trying to cast out demons on their own, and they would say, I command you by the Jesus who Paul proclaims. They didn't say, I I command you by the Jesus that I know, but they said, I command you by the Jesus that Paul knows. And it says that they started trying to do this, trying to cast out demons, you know, in the name of basically Jesus that they didn't even know. Well, there were seven sons of a Jewish high priest called Sceva, and it says that they did the same thing, that they went out and, and seen a man who was demon-possessed, and they said, you know what, we're going to cast out this demon and say, you know what, we command you in, the, in Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that Paul, that, that Paul proclaims, that Paul speaks about. It says the man who was demon-possessed, he said these words, he says, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? Because these men were not functioning in the gift that God had given them. These men weren't even right with God. They didn't even have a relationship with God because they're saying, hey, we're just doing this in the name of Jesus, that, that, you know, that, Paul, that Jesus that Paul talks about. It says, and the men who was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them. Basically, that demon beat them down. He says, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Seven brothers were overpowered by one man because they were powerless because they were trying to operate in a gift that was not theirs. Something God never gave them, proclaiming a Jesus they did not know. You know, they were just trying to do it on their own. You know, it's sad to say through the years I've come across so many that, you know, self-professed prophets, self-professed healers. You know, you introduce yourself to them and instead of saying, hey, how you doing? And the first thing they say, I'm a prophet. I'm a, I got the gift of healing. You know, it's like, okay. You know, I'm thinking, wow, you know, praise God. But you don't see the fruit in their life. You know, they usually bounce around from church to church. You know, their, their biggest line is, God is my pastor. I answer to no man. That is their biggest lie, is that God is my pastor. I answer to no man. And they go from church to church, and they're false prophets, false teachers, false, false, you know, false gifts. And they usually go after the ones that are young, not young people, but young in the Lord. Because they don't, you know, they don't, they don't, sometimes they don't understand and they disrupt families and they just start lying to them and, and doing all these things. It's so, it's so sad. I've come across that so many times where these people like try to function out of something that's not even theirs. In Romans chapter 16, verse 17, Paul again writes and he says, I now make one more appeal. He says, I got one more thing to say. So I'm going to say the same thing. I got one more same thing to say about this subject here. My dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ the Lord. 
They are serving their own personal interests by smooth talk and glowing words, and they deceive, again, innocent people. It's talking about false teachers here. People that are teaching, it's not even their gift, but they do it. He says, that, he says they're not even serving Christ the Lord. Their heart's not even right with God. He says, stay away from them because they're only out for their own interests. And again, I believe it's rooted in pride. And people begin to become in awe, like, wow, what a great teacher. Wow, man, you're, you really got the words of wisdom and all this. And, and it, but it is, they, they get pumped up in that. It's like Simon, where he says, you know, the great, you know, Simon, the great of God, the great power of God. And this, sometimes people get like this. And you see this. You know, we have our Relate Home groups. I'm going to say this. And we, we you know, people, we, people like, we, you know, we ask people, and then there's people that ask, you know, that they want to teach, and we'll talk with them, and we'll begin to see, you know, you know, the fruit in their lives, and begin to, you know, pray about it. And, you know, me and Pastor Rich will talk, and, and we'll say, okay, yeah, we, we, we feel that you guys are ready to, to, to teach a home Bible study, or begin assistant, or have a, be a host. And it's great, you know, because, again, our home groups are important because, we, we, we get the good teaching, but also the fellowship. It brings a community of people together, man, and it really encourages families. And, you know, we, we have people that come and, you know, want to start a group, and, and we say, yeah, praise God, let's do this. But I hear stories of people that start their own Bible studies. And I'm not talking about where you get your family together. That's, that's, that's awesome, you know, when you get a family Bible study together, where you get family members, you know, that you want to invite, you know, try to win some of them. But I'm talking about those that, just say, hey, I'm starting a Bible study at my house. And I always wonder about that. Why didn't they ask to do a Relate Home group? And I start to wonder, you know, what, what, what is their motive? What is, what is, what, what's behind what they're doing? And usually the reason they're not doing it is because there's, we know why. You know, we, we have insight. We, we feel like, no, they're not ready to teach, but they'll do it anyway. And they say, hey, come to my Bible study. I'm doing a Bible study. If you go into a Bible study, it's not a relate home group. You get asked that teacher, how come you're not doing a relate home group? And find out why they're not doing it, because there's probably a good reason why they're not doing that. Because again, we've got to watch out for those false teachers, those that, again, are out for their own personal interests, those that are trying to just, you know, uh, you know, you know please their pride, you know, because it makes them feel good that, oh, wow, praise God, that was a great teaching today, brother. Many of you may ask, why me? Well, we understand that God has given us a gift, Many of you may ask, why me? Why me, Lord? In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it's, again, it says, a spiritual gift has been given to each of us. Our hearts are right with God because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. We got saved. We're serving God. God, you know, we're, we're, we're living right for God. God's going to give us a gift. God's going to give us something to do within the house of God. And there's just no way around it. He says, a spiritual give, gift is given to each and every one of us. We've been given this gift, and we also have to have the responsibility to operate in that gift and function in that gift. But what happens many times because of our insecurities, low self-esteem, our doubts, we're front, we feel we're unable to operate in that gift that God has given us. You know, my own life, I'll share this. Growing up, I was real insecure. I can honestly say it. I was real insecure, had low self-esteem. I usually kept to myself, you know, growing up. I had friends, but... I just had a hard time communicating with people. You know, I just, you know, I just, I just, I'm not real talkative, you know. And I remember when I was in high school, I had to take speech class. I had to take speech class, and what our teacher would do is we'd have to write a written report. He would give us an assignment, we'd do a written report, and then after we turn in the report, he'd look at it, and then he would have us stand in front of the class and give a speech on that report. That whole semester, I didn't give one speech. I was like, I am not getting in front of nobody. I, I was terrified. 
And I remember my teacher one time pulled me aside. He goes, I don't understand you. He goes, you write these great reports. And I, I'm good at writing. I'm good at, I was real creative and, and good at writing, but I had a hard time getting in front of the class. He goes, I don't get you. He goes, you do these great reports. Why won't you just give the speech? And I just, I did that number. I don't know. My son does it to me now. Well, I don't know. Why'd you do that? I don't know. He let, me, he let me pass by the skin of my teeth. I don't know if I got a C or a D because he really liked my reports. But I just had a hard time getting in front of people. So in 1988, I gave my life to the Lord. First thing I did is I became an usher. Man, I loved being an usher. I really loved being an usher. Praise God, it was some of the best times of my life, amen. I remember we'd be in the parking lots, man, and we'd be casting vision on each other, man. What, Pastor Reggie used to always ask us, what city are you praying for? And we'd be telling him, I'm praying for this city, man, and we would catch the vision. And I remember being an usher, we'd be in the parking lot, man, we'd have revival. Everybody's in service, we were having revival in the parking lot, amen. We were stirring each other up, man, talking about cities, talking about we're going to do this and that for God, and, and we were getting stirred up. I love being an usher. Then I became a Royal Ranger commander, and then I actually became the, the, the Royal, senior commander of Royal Rangers. But in 1999, there was a, a 1991, there was an announcement that they were going to start home Bible studies here in the church. And what they wanted to do is they were taking signups for teachers that wanted, or teachers or assistants or those that wanted to open their home. And God was dealing me to do what I felt I couldn't do. And what I didn't want to do is to get in front of people and teach. I just, I couldn't do it. And I remember God was just dealing with me and dealing with me and dealing with me. It was like Jeremiah where he says, I will never speak your word. But there was a fire shutting my bones and I just couldn't contain it. And it was just something I said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do it. And I remember my first, I, to this day, I remember the first study in my house. I was so nervous. Man, I studied and studied and studied, and I'm sitting there, and there was a group of people, and I'm just sweating. I'm just sweating. I mean, dripping. People are looking at me. My God, is he okay? I was so nervous. God, but God helped me. From that study, I thank God for that study. From that study, there was people that were new to the church that are still here today. Sister Joyce used to come to our study. Richard, Richard and Imelda Padilla. They used to come to our study. I remember Kevin and Dory came for a small season to our study. There was a brother, Manuel. I, don't, he, I usually see him on Sundays. He sits in the back there. He used to come to our study. There was a couple of, of faithful servants of God that went on to be with the Lord. Sally Lopez, David McKenna, man, they used to come to our study. I thank God for that study, man. God really did something to me. And then all of a sudden, God calls me to pastor. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm okay with teaching. We look at God as he speaks to Moses here in Exodus chapter 3. He says, look, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you, I'm sending you to, to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Israel and out of Egypt. You think Moses would say, yes, Lord, you got it. Verse 11, but Moses protested, God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the Israel out of Egypt? A lot of times we feel like that. God, why me? Why are you asking me to do this, Lord? I can't do it. That was me. I was so nervous, so insecure, but God was just dealing with me. And God answered Moses and he says, I will be with you. God says, I will be with you. I will be with you. When God calls us, when God gives us for his purpose, he's going to be with us. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. He's going to equip us for, to do his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Not only will he be with us, but he'll also equip us. He will also prepare us to fulfill his purpose. Jeremiah says, I know the plans that I have for you. God has a plan for us, and he's going to, first he's going to be with us, but he's also going to equip us and prepare us to do that. Many also ask, well, how do I know? How do I know what's my gift? Well, there's a few things we want to look at in knowing what our gift is. First of all, we need to study. Do a study on spiritual gifts. I couldn't get into all of them today, but this is my, I don't want to say homework, but this is the plan for the week is do a study on spiritual gifts. Find out what it is and what the gifts are and what the purpose is and, and, and the reason for them and then start to, to look at those. Psalm 25 verse 4 says, show me your ways, oh, teach me your paths. He's asking God to teach him. God, teach me what is your path for my life. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. In verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. The word of God prepares us. The God, word of God equips us. The God, word of God teaches us and gives us an understanding of the gift that God has for us. The second thing we need to do is we need to pray. We need to ask God. A lot of this sounds cliche, but it's true. We need to pray and ask God. God, what is it that you would have for me? If you want to know what God, in James 1, 5, it says, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him. And he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give you a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him, and he will not resent it. Matthew 7, 8, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks and asks receives, and he who seeks and finds to him who knocks, it will be opened. God, when you begin to pray, God will begin to show you. God is going to be to speak to you concerning your gift. Paul on the road to Damascus asked the Lord, Lord, what is it you would have me to do? God, what is it that you have for me? What is my gift, Lord, that you have for me? Thirdly, we need to seek godly counsel. Talk to your spiritual leaders. Talk to your leaders, spiritual leaders, someone with a good reputation, someone that, that's been serving God for some time, someone that's you know, you trust. Seek uh, the, the counsel of godly leaders. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to the counsel, receive instruction, and accept correction that you may be wise in the time to come. Proverbs 15.22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. It's important to get counsel. It's important to, to seek counsel, not only because they'll give you instruction, but they'll also pray with you about it. They'll begin to help you and come in agreement in prayer with you. We see the, the story in Exodus 18, when uh, Moses and his father-in-law Jethro comes to visit him, it says that Moses was spending night and day, you know, settling disputes among the people, that he had to sit before people and settle all these different complaints and all these, and Jethro tells him, you know what, you're wearing yourself out. And he says in verse 19, now obey my voice, I will give you advice, and God will be with you. You shall represent 
the people before God and bring their cases to God. So he began to tell them to raise up leaders amongst the people. Raise up people that are, you know, again, well-seasoned, those that, are, that you trust, those that are, you know, have a right heart, and they, began, they can begin to judge for the people. And, Mo, and it says that Moses did that, and he had success in that. And finally, when it comes to how will I know, there's going to be a peace from God. God's going to give you a peace when you start to know and understand the gift that God has given you. As you, as you read and study, as you pray, as you seek counsel, peace will become, begin to come over your heart. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid when God calls you to something. When God begins to, you, begin, you start to understand the gift God has for you. Don't be afraid because God's going to give you that peace. Don't be anxious in, in Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you finally realize your gift you have and you understand it, you're, there, there's going to be a peace about it. You're not going to be like, like uh, the, the other ones we read earlier that we're just trying to do our own thing, but there's going to be a peace that God is saying, you know, this, there's going to be a confidence. There's going to be a peace that God gives you. So now that we understand what the gifts are, the purpose, that they're from God, and how to know, now this is what our, our, our series is about, is to be stewards of the gifts God gives us. And I want to look at a couple things on how to be good stewards of the gift that God has given us. The first thing I want to look at is don't devalue your gift. Don't underestimate the worth of the gift that God has given you. A lot of times we feel like our gift is not important. That, you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. So I really don't have to operate in that gift. Every gift is important in the kingdom of God. It talks about the body, and I'll look at it a little bit later. But every gift is important in the kingdom of God. It's like, I remember Pastor, I think it was Pastor Dan did the, the illustration of Jenga. And it's like building blocks. Everybody, everybody's fit together and everybody has their gifts. But if we start removing pieces, saying, ah, my gift's not that important, I'm going to take it out. And you know what, my gift's not that important too. And we start pulling away and start not operating the gifts that we have, we become unstable. We begin to, to weaken the foundation. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from God. Coming down from the Father of lights where there's no variation or shadow due to change. Again, the gifts are perfect from God. We cannot devalue the gift. We cannot say, my gift's not that important. Every gift is important in the kingdom of God. Again, every gift is perfect uh, in the kingdom of God. Because again, we, the, go the goal and the purpose of our, 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 our uh, gifts is to mature and grow the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 2, the human body has many parts but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Paul here writes, and he relates the church to the human body. He says the body has many parts. There's so many different parts to the body. Some of them work a little bit better than others nowadays, but, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is. I remember we were, at, we were at, I'll say this real quick. We, were, we had a management meeting last week. And it was funny. We were there, we're, you know, discussing all these different things. The meeting's over, and we're all like, I mean, I'm kidding. Every one of us. Like, uh. Amen. We're all part of the body. Amen. I just threw that for free. Amen. That wasn't part of my message. Again, the, the body has many parts. Uh, so does the body of Christ. And, and he goes on in verse 14. He says, yes, 
The body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot said, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. If the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? Or if you, the whole body were an ear, how would it, you smell anything? And this is where he's talking about that, where it says, you know, because I am not a, a hand, that makes me not a part of the body. And this is how we have to say, no, I'm a part of the body no matter what gift God has given me. My, my part is important to the kingdom of God. Again, every, val- every part is valuable. Again, we got to get over our insecurities. We got to get over our self-doubt our fears and realize that we are an important part of the body and we need to function in the gift that God has given us. Second thing I want to look at is don't devalue anyone else's gift. We don't devalue our gift, but don't devalue anybody else's. We should never look down or underestimate the worth of the gift that God has given someone else. You know, when we do that, that's our pride. It really is. When we begin to start looking down on somebody else's gift, it's our pride. And what happens is it will start to cause division, and, 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 and we start to compete with one another. In 1 Corinthians against 12, 11, and I talked about this earlier, it's the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. It's God alone who decides which gift each person should have. God gave them that gift. Don't look down on the gift that God has given them. We should never allow our pride to get involved and say, oh, man, you know, they're not that important because, you know, I got the greater gift. No, don't look down on somebody's gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. God has put us exactly where he wants each and every one of us. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. You know, if the whole body was just a head, you know, how, that would be kind of weird. Yes, there are many parts but one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I do not need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. We should never tell someone, we do not need you. Their gift is so important. In fact, some, in verse 22, in some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually most necessary. Think about the body. There's some parts in the body you think are not that important, and they're like, wow, you better, you need that, or you're going to die. And it's like, wow, you always thought that wasn't a big deal. Same thing with the body of Christ. Some of the weakest parts that we think are weakest are the most necessary. Third thing we need to do is stay faithful. If we're going to be good stewards of the gifts, we need to stay faithful. Moreover, it is required in stewards, again, stewardship, that one be found faithful. Be faithful in your relationship with Jesus Be faithful in continuing to pray, study. Be faithful in your service. Be faithful in functioning in the gift that God has given you. Stay faithful. Matthew 25, 23, he said, The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He says, You're faithful in the smaller things. I'm going to put you over much. The gift God has given you, stay faithful in that because then God will begin to give you more. Like I said, I just started as a Royal Ranger commander, not just because I loved Rangers. I, if, I had, if I had sons, I'd probably still be in Rangers. Amen. I loved Rangers. But this is where I started. It just like I progressed. I kept moving on, moving on, moving on until God called me to passion. I'm like, oh, God. But God was with me. You desire more of God, stay faithful in the gift that God has given you and he'll begin to give you more. And then Paul, 
writes to Timothy, he says, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received. Don't neglect that gift. Don't neglect it. Use it, you know, use it. And, 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 because again, we're using it to help people in the house of God. And then finally, oh, the platform can come up. I forgot to tell you to come up. Hurry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Use your gift. No, that's the point. Use your gift. Again, each of us should use whatever gift, and in 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Again, we need to use the gifts that God has given us because, again, it's to build the churches, to equip people, it's to help people, it's to strengthen people, it's to encourage people, it's to lift people up. Romans 12.6, it says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. Let's use the gifts that God has given us. And then in 2 Timothy 1.6, this is why I remind you to fan the flames or stir up the spiritual gift that God has given you when I laid my hands on you. Paul is telling Timothy to keep that fire burning. Keep that gift burning. Keep, that, keep stirred up in your faith. And this is why it's so important to, to be in a right relationship with God, to be in that, in that fellowship with God because that gift stays stirred up and it begins to, to, to keep that fire burning inside. And what it does, that fire spreads to other people. And people catch the vision and people catch that fire and they say, you know what, I want to know what the gift that God has for my life. Why? So I can continue to function. Can, I can function in that gift that I can see lives being changed in the house of God. Let's keep our gifts, be a good steward of our gifts, that we would not devalue them, not devalue others, that we would stay faithful, but also that we use our gifts for the benefit of others. Let's bow our heads tonight. We're going to pray.